Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today is a rapid fire Q&A. We are going to get into um, a lot of great questions today, a lot of fitness questions, specifically ones for being at home. We got some good reverse dieting and nutrition questions, and we also have some business questions related to creating a coaching brand or company that I'm excited to get into. So it's going to be a really cool podcast. We're taking some questions from Instagram, some from Facebook, and some from our email form that you can fill out, which is linked in the description of the show. But we're going to do a rapid fire style because we do have a, quite a bit of questions, and I want to make sure I get through all of them and answer your guys' questions. Questions, which brings me to my first point of this intro before I get into the show. Leave me a question, guys. I love answering questions. That's what this podcast was actually built on Q&As. Originally, it was planned on being just a Q&A show. Um, but then obviously we started doing topics because I realized I could rant on one single question for an hour and, and stick to that topic. We started doing more interviews because I really enjoy doing interviews and now it's expanded. But the point being is we still thrive on these Q&A episodes and they're still some of our most popular episodes. So make sure that you go into the description of this show. Um, click the link to the Q&A form. Uh, there is a, a literally a question uh, hyperlink that you can click. You go right to a form. You can ask me a detailed question in that form. Um, do me a huge favor. Grammar matters, guide. We really like to read eligible things. So make sure you take time and articulate what you want to know really well if you're going to go in depth because it is a good chance for you to get your in-depth questions answered. You guys know I read long questions and I give long answers. So if you want a detailed and in-depth answer to the question that you have to get better results, it's a great time and place to do it, um, especially because you guys all should be listening to more podcasts since you have plenty of time to be listening to more podcasts. Um, the second thing I want to shout out in this intro is, of course, our sponsors, Top Notch Nutrition. Make sure you guys head to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom, or you can click the link in the description of the show and automatically save 10 to 15% off on any of their supplements. And now is the best time possible to double down on micronutrients. I know I'm taking their vitamin D, omega-3s, greens, and hydrate every single morning religiously. I have been for a while, and I'm glad I am, especially in this time when immune health is really important. Um, and the last thing I will say, guys, do me a favor. Shout us out on Instagram. Share this with a friend. Send it to somebody. We want to grow this show, and you are the best way for us to do that. Word of mouth and getting people's reach to share this podcast is better than any form of marketing that we can possibly do. So I want to thank you for helping me with that and encourage you to keep helping me with that so we can continue to grow and continue to help people with this free information. All you have to do is take a screenshot of the show, post it on your story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom so I can see it. I can thank you for listening, and I can share it on my story as well. And if you want to go even further, send it to a friend that you think this will help. Now, without any further ado, I'll stop ranting. No more intro, I promise. <laughs> Let's get on to the questions. All right, we're going to start from Instagram. Carmen Alessa, what to do when feeling alone during this time? Uh, talking about the coronavirus. There's a few things you can do. Um, number one thing I think that's most important is just simply – this sounds really crazy – 
but get comfortable being alone. I think I think it's a really, actually a really important and valuable skill as a human being to be confident, comfortable, and certain in times of uncertainty and in, in, uh, when you have no certain outcome, you have no confidence in what's going to play out, how things are going to play out, when stress is high, anxiety is high, doubt is high, scarcity is high, fear is high. There's a lot of things going on right now that would push us to have a negative mindset. So one of the most important things you can do is actually embrace that time alone and focus on becoming more confident by yourself. I know for me, and I shared this on this week's uh, podcast, either on Monday or Tuesday, uh, I, I used to have kind of the opposite of social anxiety. I had to be with people. I had to be in a crowd. I had to be with friends. I had to be doing something. I had to be doing activities. I had to be texting somebody, talking to somebody on the phone. I couldn't just be happy sitting at my house, sitting alone, reading a book, meditating, doing anything like that. I'd actually get anxiety. So I noticed this pattern. Um, somebody helped me notice this pattern in some of the books I was reading. Uh, helped me notice that this wasn't a normal tendency, and, and I wanted to break free of that that feeling of that paralyzing feeling of anxiety when I am alone. So I actually started doing more things alone. So I would literally go um, into the city and walk around and shop by myself. I went to restaurants by myself, went to movies by myself. Then I started doing float tanks by myself so I can get comfortable really being quiet and in my own head for a while. Um, I worked up to 90 minutes straight. And, and I think that helped me tremendously because now I can be completely alone and isolated. And I will still be fulfilled because I, I know what my values are. And I, and I know what I can do with my time to improve my own life. Um, and then after that, it's about connecting with people. You can still talk to quite a bit of people. Um, I FaceTimed Austin Current, Matt McLeod, and uh, Miguel Bacut yesterday. Um, it was 7 p.m. my time, 8 p.m. Austin's time, 9 p.m. Miguel's time, and 10 p.m. Matt's time. <laughs> We're literally in every time zone of, this, of the country. Uh, but we just literally sat on there for like – I got off after an hour and a half, but I think they stayed on even longer. Um had a couple drinks. I, I was drinking diet root beer, <laughs> so I wasn't drinking anything alcoholic, uh, but some of them were, but we just sat there and bullshitted. We talked about the current of state of the world. We talked about our businesses. We talked about life. We talked about um, cats. Uh, we talked about armadillos. We talked about <laughs> just a bunch of random shit, some funny baby stories I had. So that was really powerful for me because I got to connect with other dudes for a little bit. Um, I FaceTimed Travis, uh, the media guy and my best friend on Saturday, and we just bullshitted for a while, had a drink together. Um, little things like that go a long way. So I would just encourage you to FaceTime people. I'm going to FaceTime my mom today and show her, uh, with my daughter, and then I'm going to FaceTime my brother and my dad. My brother lives in Texas. My dad's up here in uh, north of me in Washington. We're going to FaceTime later tonight. So it's just it's just like making a constant effort to to talk to people is really the biggest thing. Um, get in a group chat, um, hang out with people on on FaceTime, hang out with people in a group chat, hang out with people on a Facebook forum. Really, anything you can do to try to, I don't know, just just connect. I think human connection is the biggest thing here um, that people need to focus on. Um, and I know for like we just did, I literally just got off. So we just closed it off. I've done a lot of connecting lately. And that's what we're really focusing on here at uh, Tailored Coaching is just, just connecting with people. Um, human interaction is so powerful right now. But I uh, we just got done doing a group meetup in our TCM family. So this is for – and this shout out to anybody who has worked with us ever. I'm talking if you have ever coached with me over the last five, six, seven years – um, if you have coached with any of one on our team, we have a Facebook group for you. It's called the uh, TCM Family, and it's uh, I would add forever, but it would just make the title too long. TCM Family Forever because it's a place where once you are a client, you are a member, we want you in the group, and we want you to stay in there for the rest of your life. We want you to have a place that you can go and find ideas and, and co collectively communicate with people um, and get inspiration. So um, current and past clients, 
let me know if you want to get in this group. I can send you a link. You can DM me. You can email me. You can shoot me a message on Facebook, and I'll get you in the group. Uh, but we just did a big live, so everybody joined on Zoom. We had a bunch of members on there. We had all the coaches on there, and we just bullshitted. We talked about uh, – we answered some questions about at-home training. We talked about, like, what music we're listening to right now. We talked about some mindset principles and, and overcoming doubt. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. But more importantly, it was just cool to connect with everybody. So – my whole point with this is, is like, if you have a coach, connect with them more. If you have a mentor, connect with them more. If you have family, which most of us do, connect with them more. If you have friends, text them more. Um, and then last but not least, definitely not least, this probably comes first, get comfortable being alone. Start reading, start journaling, start meditating, start going on walks by yourself without headphones on listening to anything. Listen to nature. Like it sounds very woo-woo, but like one of the most powerful things I do in, in my weekly routine is going on a walk without any sound in my headphones. No headphones in, no texting, no nothing, just walking, no notifications. Um, and I just, just be to myself, be to my own thoughts, create clarity. And I think that's really, really powerful. I'm trying to filter through these because some of them we get, we get weird ones on Instagram sometimes. Um, like this guy, Hey, how are you feeling? And it's a spam one. And then he sent another one. Hey, how was your day? <laughs> and then he sent another one unrelated, but hope you have an awesome day. Complete spam is what I'm getting at. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see. We have a couple other good ones on the Instagram though. Um, Shift human performance. Uh, shout out to Jen Cates, one of my clients. What changes, if any, have you made to how you eat now in quarantine? So I would say I haven't changed quite, very much because I'm pretty, I'm pretty plain and bro with my food. So breakfast is always egg whites cooked in a little bit of olive oil with uh, – I like putting little diced uh, – tomatoes like uh roma tomatoes like those little tiny petite baby ones cutting them up into little things and then putting spinach in there too it almost tastes like a flatbread it's like got italian seasoning on it stuff like that so i have that every morning a uh, side of oatmeal with fruit in it usually it's bananas peanut butter and uh cinnamon in it um ran out of bananas so i switched up for stevia blueberries and, and peanut butter do like a pb and j oatmeal um, and that's my breakfast every single morning, green drink with it. Uh, I always have a protein bar as a snack. And then I do my Greek yogurt, oats and berries for pre-workout lunch. And then dinner is, is whatever meat, uh, we have on the menu. Cause we do butcher box and we always have a meat of the night, whether it's pork loin, pork tenderloin, uh, sirloin steak. We got New York strip steak. We got chicken. We, we kind of go through all these different ones that we use. And then we have some kind of vegetable. So usually it's a green broccoli, green beans, asparagus, Brussels, something like that. And then usually white rice. Um, right now we're doing a ton of white rice cause it's just easy. Cause you can, we have like a 70 pound bag from Costco, <laughs> however heavy it is, probably not 70 pounds, but, um, and then at night I always do like a case in, protein powder. So I like with peanut butter and blueberries, I literally haven't changed a thing. So for me, it's been really simple. The things that have changed is like, okay, we're out of bananas and there's none left. I went to blueberries instead of bananas. Um, we, I went from, uh, my reduced sugar ketchup to fucking salsa because that was out of the, the, the ketchup I like. Um, I went from Quaker oats to uh, simple truth, which is like Fred Meyer or Kroger's organic brand. Um, which is the alternative that they had, right? Like little things like that. There really hasn't been much of a difference. Um, I've tried to keep everything as close as possible with just minor changes like what veggie, what fruit, stuff like that. And so far I've been pretty, pretty successful at it. So I haven't had to make changes. The thing I will say is if I didn't have butcher box, I might be doing more protein powder. I might be doing more cottage cheese and Greek yogurt um, and probably egg whites and, and maybe even tuna fish. Um, cause we did get some tuna fish just, just in case, but we do butcher box and 
really, really grateful that we do because we got hooked up with a box right before this all happened. And now they have a wait list just to get on their, uh, on their list or on their menu or whatever the rotation. So you can order from them because I'm sure so many people have gone and trying to do that now. Um, so I haven't really made many changes to my, to how I'm eating during quarantine. To be honest with you, the, the biggest change realistically has been date nights. We just can't cook as elaborate things or go out to eat. Um, you also had another question about training. Did you make any changes to your programming now? You, st you can still go to your gym, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have the, the facility here where I have everything I need. So I haven't changed training at all. And, and to be completely transparent, I've actually focused more on training because it's the thing I can control the most. So I'm, I'm actually prioritizing training, recovery, and nutrition more than I ever have. Uh, not ever, but more than I have in years. And it's because I have more time to prep food. I have more time to plan. I have more time to uh, tweak with my program. I have more time to spend in the gym and really focus on progressive overload and take longer rest periods if I need to. Um, so I'm doing a little more volume and, and getting a little bit stronger. So for me, it's actually been been one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is one area I can control. Let me double down on it. And a lot of our members are doing the same. And I encourage everybody to have that same attitude because that's the only way you're going to get through the shit. But um, I haven't changed a thing. And the only thing I would say I, I've added at all is some body weight exercises when I'm testing things out. So I'll throw in different variations of stuff just because I'm like, okay, I need to test out these different movements because I'm supplying clients with all these different minimal equipment, band workouts, body weight workouts, which by the way, shout out to the Taylor trainer guys. If you are listening to this and you are struggling with training, whether you have access to a full gym or you have access to literally nothing at all. You can have a program done for you using True Coach, using our systems, um, and get access to the private group for less than a cup of coffee a day. Literally less than $2 a day. Um, so a little shameless plug to our group. I'm really proud of everybody in there because we shifted everybody, almost everybody, to either bands only, minimal equipment, which is like a pair of dumbbells and bands, um, and then just body weight only programming. So everybody in there just kept pushing and kept training didn't blink an eye. They just kept going. And, and it's really cool to see that. So if you need somewhere that gives you that and you, you don't want to spend an arm and a leg, that, that's the place to go. Um, Taylor Trainer, which there's a link in the description for that. Nick underscore fit 99 recommendations for clean quote unquote foods to eat lots of carbs with easily when you're massing. Um, I think that like I would honestly go with, uh, Oats, white rice, and sweet potato. I think if you can boil it down to those three, I think you're going to have easier digestion, better, uh, a good variety of nutrients and different types of carbohydrates. Um, and you're going to have way less like digestive stress or gut issues or anything like that. Uh, for some people, if grains are an issue, maybe take out oats. If gluten is an issue, you can have gluten-free oats. Um, but that those three work really well with me. And, and I don't I really barely ever strive out of that unless we're doing like day night or something like that. So, and, and I'm massing right now. So for breakfast, it's always, um, gluten-free oats for lunch, it's oats. And then for dinner, it's always white rice. And that's just like what I keep to every once in a while, we'll throw sweet potatoes in the mix. But, um, I would stick with those three. And if you have three meals of carbs a day, then that would be, that would be the route. I don't think you need to overthink this. I mean, it comes down to macros more than anything, but I do believe when massing, you do have to prioritize good quality foods because you got to keep check, uh, keep your digestion in check. Okay, oh, here's a good one. MTK Girl 178. What's the first thing you are gonna do after quarantine is up? The first thing I'm gonna do is take Shannon out for dinner, <laughs> without a doubt in my mind. It's actually funny because we had uh, maybe it was Christmas, and then um, 
we bought her a new car last year and they the dealership gave us one too but we've accumulated all these gift cards all these nice restaurants so we have like literally like four different gift cards um actually we have three gift cards to one single place and then three other gift cards so we have three different restaurants to go to that we have gift cards for that we got to use so i'm like first thing i'm doing is like we're going on a date and i'm treating you to a nice dinner with some wine and just time alone to us outside the house so i'm excited about that we're still doing date night in house because it's something that uh we make sure that we always do but um that's definitely going to be the first thing i said i would think the second thing is going to be taking blakely to the bounce house there's a bounce house out here that's just like a kid's heaven there's just Ball, like those like ball pits there's like slides and she loves it and she hasn't been able to go so i would love to take her there when this is up um and then the third thing is i'm gonna go see family i know you only asked for like what's the first thing but first thing is date night second thing is take blake to bounce house and the third thing is definitely go like have a drink with my dad and just kick it or something you know go hang out with my mom just just see family in person um it's it's crazy how much you take that for granted j.elliot37 advice on pre-workout meal 60 minutes pre-workout um, best advice i can give you is, is it should be mainly protein and carb dominant you're gonna want very little fat in there um, because it's only 60 minutes prior if you have too much fat in there it's going to slow digestion down not only is that going to cause you to not have the immediate glucose in your bloodstream and, and also energy for that session but it's also going to bog you down you're going to feel more lethargic digestion is going to be harder to uh, get through because you have more calories and more slow digestion nutrients in your gut while you're trying to train so i don't recommend that but you definitely need carbs you definitely need uh, protein so my advice is always going to be anywhere between 25 to 50 grams of protein in that first meal depending on how big you are um, there's no really like perfect ratio. 20 to 25 grams is the minimum you need to spike leucine enough for muscle protein synthesis to kick in. Um, you don't really get any benefit beyond 40 to 45. So I say between 25 to 50 because in that range is going to be perfect no matter if you're 110 pounds or 210 pounds. Um, and then I would have about at least, I would say like I usually like to keep people between 0 0.75, so three quarters um, or 1.5. So 0 0.75 to 1.75 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight um so you could say body weight in kilograms for example i'm about 78 kilograms 80 kilograms so i need at least about 80 grams carbs in that meal and i think that's actually more important than your post-workout meal because that's the meal that sets you up for a good pump good recovery um, management of cortisol good blood glucose it, it fuels the session so i'm a bigger fan of pre-workout than post-workout honestly i put more emphasis on that um but that would be my advice, man. So like, like again, for me, it's, it's, it's two packs of quick oats, um, some Greek yogurt with whey protein inside of it. So I get a little bit of, uh, whey and a little bit of casein, which is going to be good because I have a, uh, fast digesting whey protein, which is going to spike muscle protein synthesis the most. And then I have a slow digestion casein protein, which is going to have the biggest benefit on muscle, uh, breakdown. Uh, so the, the balance and the ratio between muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown is actually gonna be really good because I have sustainable protein amino acids coming in and I have very immediate amino acids coming in as well. Um, and then the carbs are going to be slow digesting. So they're going to last longer than just a little bit. You know, if I have a really, really starchy meal, I might blow through that in the first 30 to 60 
50 minutes and not have anything left. But if I have oats, it's kind of slowly digesting and slowly absorbing in, into uh, my system as I train. And then I add some blueberries in there or raspberries because that gives me a little bit of sugar, um, a little bit of uh, carbs to help that are faster digesting. So blood glucose gets higher quicker, which is good for ATP and performance. Um, and also our body has multiple glucose transporters. So we're going to get more benefit out of having fruit and starch versus just one or the other. Um, and that meal is a little fat. So, yep, that's, that's kind of my pre-workout meal. And that's, that's honestly what I would recommend. I do mine like two and a half hours before because I don't like eating super close to my workout, but, um, it would work an hour before too. That's kind of like personal preference. Um, Susan Lenders friend works every set to failure, every workout. What are the consequences? Really good question. I think that, um, it's, it's best to stay in this like RIR. So reps in reserve range of like one to three. So at, at the, like for any productive sets. So if we're talking about working sets now, if you're doing a warm up, if you're doing mobility, stuff like that, you don't need to have an RIR like reps and reserve of three because you can have a rep reserve of 10 and still get the move, the benefit. You're going through the movements to prime your body. It has nothing to do with effort right there. Um, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do because it depends on what you're doing. Um, but it's not as important. We're not trying to build muscle with, with mobility and stuff like that. So with, with everything else, you want to keep your, your RIR about one to three, which means that you have, um, one rep left in the tank and at most three reps left in the tank. That's going to get you close enough to complete failure where you're stimulating enough stress to the muscle. Uh, but if you go uh, RIR of zero, which your friend is doing, they go into complete failure every single set. Unless you're on uh, performance enhancement drugs, it's probably not going to be the best bet because most research shows that you get uh, very, very minimal improvements and gains compared to leaving a couple reps in the tank. So they'll take groups and they'll do an RIR of two versus the RIR of zero. And the gains of the RIR of zero people that are going to failure is so minimal um, that it's barely even significant. And then the difference is, is after that session, the systemic fatigue, so joints, tendons, muscles, central nervous system is so high that it's hard to get back in the gym and train hard the days following. Whereas if you left a couple reps in the tank, it's not. So you're going to get way more benefit out of leaving a couple reps in the tank on 80 to 90% of your work because it allows you to push to a level of intensity that, that stimulates growth in results. But it's not so hard or far that we are uh, dampening our ability to recover and get back in the gym. So that's kind of the gist of that. All right, so those are the IG questions. Now let's go to these ones were email. Dylan Craze. Hey, Cody, I can't tell you how much your content helps me develop as a coach. I wanted to ask you two questions if you have time to answer. Um, I love that, man. I'm, I appreciate that. And I'm glad it's helping. Uh, question number one In terms of creating content to post, what's your system? Do you use a calendar to map out posts for the week slash month, or do you go by day? Um, this is something that I think it's, I do both. So it's really hard for me to say, cause I think it depends on the person's business. You know, like I've, I've given recommendations that, you know, if you're going to launch a product or you're going to launch something, you should probably start con creating content around that topic months in advance. So when I would release a product like functional muscle, I started talking about the concepts inside of functional muscle in my content for six months before I even released it, because I want people to understand what it's about. I want people to trust my opinion. I want people to get a chance to learn about it because not everybody's going to see every post. And then you build that hype. Um, whereas other, other times, like just general content, like what I do for, for 99% of what we do, it's usually like a week in advance. 
So at the beginning of the week, I'm like, okay, what are the topics we're talking about on the podcast this week? Um, what are we filming this week? Uh, what are my Instagram posts? So I'll go into Google Docs and I'll create captions that I want to talk about on Instagram and then I'll pair pictures with it. So it really just depends, man. I think that there's no there's no perfect thing here. You, you should probably plan ahead, but I don't think there's a perfect system of like Monday motivation, Tuesday transformation, Wednesday is a uh, inspirational post. Thursday is a macro periodization post. Uh, every Friday is a uh, free workout. Like you can do that, but I don't think there's an algorithm that is going to like help your business grow based on that. I think that just helps you know what you have to plan because you know what the days of the week are about. Um, but it's different for everybody, man. I think I think that sometimes it's good to not have too much structure or system because different things come up. You know, like when when this all this quarantine stuff happened. I started creating content by the day because every day I was thinking something different. Every day I was learning something new. Every day I was changing my routine and, and adapting to what we were going through. So I think there's a lot of value inside of doing it day by day as well because it's relevant and that's really important. Your second question was, I have recently begun to build a small nutrition coaching clientele for total clients. Things are going well. People are seeing some good results. However, I am struggling with compliance in clients eating enough food regularly. I say this because some have body composition goals. How do you get clients to be compliant with food intake so you can start periodizing calories for a deficit? Thanks for all you do, man. So I think this comes down to like almost overly educating. So when we work with people at TCM, we are literally going above and beyond what we think any other coaching company does inside of education. And the reason for that is just this. We have correlated over the years this idea. We've kind of correlated these things together and we've correlated education to compliance. And I, and I truly believe that education builds that compliance. So if I share my secrets, if I share my strategies, if I teach my methods to the clients that I'm working with, they create a sense of clarity that is greater than what they had previously. And that clarity allows them to eliminate confusion and take action and, and stay consistent. So I think it's really important, man. I think that I think the best thing for you to do is just overly educate because there's a lot of people that, you know, they want to eat less because they want to lose weight. That's not always the answer. Um, and they just fall into these fad diets. So you have to really educate them on, hey, what is your body doing on, on a physiology level? Right. What is the science of, of the hormones, your metabolism, your, your muscles, your training, your recovery, your stress, your nervous system, your sleep? What is going on? What are all the moving parts? How do these things intersect and interject and sync together? And how is this affecting the results that you're seeing and or not seeing? And I think that's the answer, man. Like I think that a lot of people just try to kind of do their thing and hope people listen because they know best, quote unquote. But if you don't teach them why you're doing what you're doing, they won't listen and adhere or have that buy-in. So it really comes down to education um, and hearing them out. So so we're really big on communication. We're really big on connection. And we're really big on education. So um, a lot of shuns. But we, we like to overly communicate with our clients. We like to connect on a deeper level than just macros or just nutrition or just training program design. Um, and then we like to really educate them on the science behind why it's working. You know, I think there was a there was an era of people who thought that that would be overwhelming for the average individual and, and that the general population didn't need to know the science and didn't need to know about physiology. I always challenged that and now I'm glad it did because it's working really well for us and we realized that Average people need to understand advanced strategies, methods, and topics as well. They need to know what is going on with their body, their hormones, their metabolism, their stress, 
Because if they don't, they won't understand what it takes to improve it. And they also won't understand why they're not seeing results. So a lot of times they're not getting results and they hear you, but they don't understand you. So they don't really get why they're not getting the results that they are hiring you for. So you have to really, really educate them, like overly communicate these ideas to them so that they can truly understand why they are not seeing results. And once they understand why they are not seeing results, the buy-in to see results becomes way greater. So I really just think it comes down to over-communication, over-connection, and over-education. Tiffany Rosenblum were – oh, my God. This is going to be tough. Wurzelinski. Tiffany. If I am still lifting at home, very close to same weight for upper body and about 25 pounds less for lower body, can I stay in a caloric deficit without losing a bunch of muscle? I am not super lean, about 24% body fat. And I'm eating at least 0.8 grams of protein per pound. I don't have a lot of muscle mass, probably no more than 80-ish pounds. I'm 5'4", 111.5 pounds as of last week on average. I'm in week four of the cut and had 10 weeks planned. So the question is, are you going to lose muscle if you're in a caloric deficit because you're not lifting as heavy? This goes back to listen to my podcast that I did on Tuesday. Um, last week. And that is uh, the topic was how to uh, in optimize your results at home. It, it comes down to your effort. What is your effort that you're putting forward? Are you staying, like I said before, in that one, three reps in reserve range? Are you pushing your effort to that 80 to 90% uh, of maximum? You're not going to failure, but you are. Because what happens is, let's use a bench press and a push up as an example. You might be able to do a bench press and three reps is challenging with a certain weight. You might have to do 30 reps in, in a short amount of time of push-ups just to feel that level of intensity and effort and fatigue that you did with the bench press. But your nervous system and your muscular system are still getting that stress because you're getting to that level of intensity and effort. So the reason it's not beneficial on a regular basis is because cardiovascularly, it's really hard to do uh, 30 reps <laughs> compared to three, um, on anything. And it takes way more time. So going into the gym and doing 30 reps all the time leaves you gassed out and taking forever in the gym. So it's not beneficial. Um, and it's, it is more difficult to overload the body when we're, we're doing super, super high reps. But the point being is you can do three reps or 30 reps and still get the same level of hypertrophy for the most part, if you are matching up intensities. So I think while you're doing a cut, while you're at home and you're, you're not training with a full gym and it's not as optimal as it usually is, I think the best thing for you to do is just focus on effort, focus on intensity, and focus on your reps and reserve. Focus less on the rep ranges or the loads lifted. Focus purely on reps and reserve. So uh, my brother-in-law, I do all of his training and nutrition. Shout out to CJ. He's down like 25 pounds, killing it. Um, and he's jacked, dude, he's huge. But he, uh, so we, he has a pair of, uh, 40 pound dumbbells and that's it. That's it. So what are we doing? I, I created a program with literally just 40 pound dumbbells and I don't have any reps attached to anything because he's strong as hell. Uh, I'm talking like three, I think he said he was putting up 365 for bench on like three to five reps, like just crazy while we're cutting. He's a, he's a big dude. Um, but point being is uh, <laughs> I married into a family with a bunch of huge men that are like super strong, super hard workers, laborers, builders, all the things that I'm not good at. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to step up my carpentry skills um, <laughs> to impress this family. Uh, and I have been. It's been good. But um, what we do with him is, is I go, okay, well, you're doing a dumbbell um, chest supported row four sets at an R, RIR of two. 
So literally set one, he might get 30 reps if that's what it takes to get leave two in the tank. He's going to take two-minute rest. He's going to do it again. He might get 28. Then he might get 26, and then he might get 25. That's fine. He's pushing to the level of intensity that I need him to push to in order to stimulate muscle and maintain muscle while he's cutting, which is the goal. Same goal as you. So I think for you, just do what you can and just focus on RIR and RPE, and I think you're going to be totally fine. It takes literally so much less volume to maintain muscle um, than it does to build muscle. And that's literally like proven by science. Lane Norton had a really good post today about it. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it kind of said the same thing. Um, and I mentioned that in, in one of my posts as well literally like half the volume. So if it takes you 20 sets per week per muscle group to build at the most optimal rate, it'll take you 10 or less to maintain that muscle. Um, honestly, like it would probably take like five sets per muscle group per week of like strenuous. And if you're hitting high reps, you're going to have that strain. So it's really not as hard as you would think. Um, I think maintaining muscle is not an issue whatsoever. Building muscle is more difficult when we don't have a lot of equipment. We can't overload the system. But maintaining is, is not an issue at all. Theron Merrick. What are some good cues to help a client activate their lats and keep their traps out of it while doing single arm bent over rows? Um, I would probably change the... Uh, I would change the movement. I wouldn't do a single arm bent over row. I would do like a lat dominant one arm dumbbell row. So go to my go to my YouTube and type in one arm lat dominant row, Cody McBroom. Um, I have a video of showing how to do it. The best things to do is, is the reason I like that is because if you have the, the bench support, you're not focusing on balancing and your center of gravity. You have support. So if somebody's having trouble activating a muscle and you have them doing an unstable movement or a open chain movement like a bent row where you're just there, you're just stabilizing while press. It's like an overhead press. Put them in a position where they're stable and they have external factors holding them down and creating that stability. So a one-arm dumbbell row on a bench is going to be good because you have your knee on there, you have your hand on there, you can support yourself. And then the cues you're going to use is dragging your elbow low. Um, so think about putting your elbow into your back pocket or putting the dumbbell into your back pocket. There's way less elbow flexion, so you're not bending your elbows a ton, but that's going to cause less activation of the biceps and it's going to cause less range of motion, which is going to cause less activation of the traps. When you're dragging your, the dumbbell low and you're bringing your elbow to your back pocket, your shoulder has to depress to keep packed. When you depress your scapula, your lats fire more. So it's just a lat dominant row. It's really easy. Just drag your elbow low, kind of bring your elbow or the dumbbell into your back pocket. Um, also, I really like band and cable rows for lat activation, um, like a seated cable row with a neutral grip or even like a single arm cable row in a bent position or a seated position where you're drive, driving that elbow low and you're keeping the, the cable low. Um, and there's a constant resistance curve with it, which really helps too. And then the last thing you could do is tell them to laterally rotate their torso or flex um, either way. Think of like a, a tall kneeling lat pull-in is something I, I put on YouTube too. It's a really good one where you're pulling in an abduction way. Like you're bringing your elbow towards your side and you're pulling from yourself laterally. You're pulling from the side of you. And as you bring your elbow in, you're rowing from this side angle. You actually do like a side bend, like a side crunch and laterally rotate or laterally flex your whole entire torso because one of the jobs of the lats is to do that movement with your torso and your spine. Laterally flex, laterally rotate. So you can do this on a lat pull down too. If you're, if you're doing a lat pull down and you bring your elbows into your body and you kind of think about doing like a side crunch on both sides, as crazy as that sounds, but really trying to bring your elbows towards your rib cage um, laterally, you're going to feel that too. Um, you can also do this with um, 
like one arm row, like at the top, kind of slightly rotate and, and, and flex that lat and flex that side flexion um, as you're bringing to the top of the, the row. And that really helps too. But people forget that that's one of the jobs of the lat. So that, that's a good one to help. Jessica Tabot, good online and recognize health and fitness certifications that you recommend. Um, I think I've answered this a hundred times, uh, which is fine. I'll keep answering it. But I think that like it just depends on what you want to do. Um, good online and recognize health and fitness certifications that you recommend. I haven't done it yet, but Jordan Shallow's prescript, I got to imagine, is really good. Um, I know Jordan personally, and um, I was actually supposed to attend one of his events with him. But then – where I, I doubt I'm flying anywhere in June uh, anymore, but uh, he puts out really great content. I can't imagine his is anything less than amazing. Um, uh, I have uh, NASM, so NASM, NASM, uh, CPT, and PES, so Performance Enhancement Specialist and then Certified Personal Trainer. Those are both great just because they're basic fundamentals of like basic and advanced training information that you need and, and it gives you that legal backing um for nutrition i love uh mac nutrition university i think mnu is probably the best uh it's just so complete um it's but I, I'm, I'm but it's hard because i'm also biased to nci because i know jason personally and and i've been on the background and i really love the practical application which i think is the part that's missing in a lot of things is like okay this information is great how do we apply it and they do really well with that and then i also like pn because precision nutrition which i've done pn as well one and two they really dive into the psychology and behavior change of a client which i think is super important for adherence so it really just depends. I think that PN, NCI, MNU are the best for nutrition. I think that NASM is great for general stuff. I think Jordan Shallow's prescript is great for advanced training modalities. I think Joe DeFranco's, I think it's called the CPP. Um, uh, Adam, one of the coaches on our team, is certified by them, and he loves it. And I'm a big fan of Joe DeFranco, so I know that's a really great one too. Um, and then even OPEX, depending if you're working with a lot of functional fitness people or like CrossFitters, I think the OPEX uh, – I want to say theirs is called CPP as well, um, is a great one as well. Anya Civic, is it a bad time for a reverse diet since we can't push training as hard? Starting a reverse this week, but I'm worried it won't be as successful as the last one since I can't push weights. How should I manipulate training in these conditions? I handled my reverse, my last reverse pretty well, minimal fat gain. Um, I don't think it's a bad time to reverse at all given that we're in a very stressed state. So it's probably a good time to reverse because – if you can give yourself some more calories, you're probably going to recover better and, and actually be able to manage the stress emotionally, mentally, physically, um, and physiologically during this time. So if you're training still and you have the stress that the, everybody in the world is, I think that reverse dieting is probably a good idea, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think that you'll find out as you go through the reverse diet on if you can be as aggressive as you were the last time. So this time you might not be able to make as big or aggressive as jumps as last time, or you might not be able to bring your calories up as high as you did last time and still maintain because um, you don't have as high of an energy expenditure, less because of training, but more because of general movement and just load in the gym, I guess. Um, but I still think you could reverse diet. And we got to remember like maintenance calories is like a big bell curve. It's a, it's a range. It's a moving target. So if you reverse dieted to 2000 calories, 2100 calories, let's say, um, 
let's say 2,000 freezing math. You reverse dieted to 2,000 calories and you maintain your weight. And now you're going to do it again. But you're leaner this time and you're moving less. Well, you're probably going to be at around 1,800 and find that maintenance. But realistically, your maintenance isn't 2,000. Your maintenance is anywhere between 1,750 and 2,250. There's a there's a swing. I don't know if it's 500 calories. And, and I think that range depends on everybody. Um, and 500 calories is a big range. But maybe it's 200, maybe it's 300. The point is, it's not going to be an exact number. So I think you'll be fine. I think you should reverse diet. And I think you'll just know as you go through it how aggressive you can be and how far you can take that up given the current state. Michelle Mason, can you describe in detail how you set up for a bench press? So when I drive my shoulders slash upper traps during a set, it hurts my neck a lot. So I tend, and I tend to get a stick ne stiff neck after heavy bench sessions. Thank you. Um, I'm not the best person to ask this because I don't bench like a power lifter. I bench like a bodybuilder. So I slow down. Um, I'm not as focused on load and I'm more focused on putting my grip and everything in, in the best position and putting my body in the best, best position, not to lift as heavy as possible, but to create as much stress on the muscle locally as possible. Cause I'm trying to grow my chest. I'm not trying to build my bench. Um, it's two different things. So I think I'm not, to be honest with you, the best person. Um, the only tip I would give is that you might want to consider focusing more on your lats during that movement. So maybe less of driving in your shoulders, let your back come down a little bit, um, and really try to fire your lats. Because if you fire your lats, you depress your scapula, you'll probably have less tension up into your traps, which could relieve some of the tension in your neck. The other side of this is if you're doing a big arch because you are a powerlifter, and I know this because I write your programming, um, if you're doing a big arch during your bench, we do see a lot of tension just placed on the neck because you're basically leaning on your neck and your butt, like in your backs off the bench, right? You have that big curb curvature. Um, and in that sense, you might want to actually implement some like neck strengthening, whether you get it in like one of those neck exercise harness things that you can strap weights to, or you just put a, uh, a weight on the back of your head and you just do neck raises. So you're just doing like flexion and extension of your neck, but actually strengthening your neck would help. Um, build its resiliency when you're in that position. I think that might help a little bit. All right, last question today. Tam underscore fit 21. About how long do you recommend someone who is in a cutting phase before they maintain or bulk? Is there a certain number of pounds to stop at or how does that work? How long do you recommend someone who is in a cutting phase before? So I guess uh, they, I don't think this is Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but basically how long would I leave somebody in a cut for before uh, going into a maintenance or a bulk? Is there a certain amount of pounds to lose? Um, no, there's not because it's all relative, right? I think if you're losing about 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week, it's it's going to give you the right amount and, and you can – basically say how much total weight you have to lose and, and calculate that to get your weeks. Because if somebody is 200 pounds versus 150 pounds, that 0.5-1% is going to be relative to them and it's going to work well. And then you just say, okay, I'm 200 pounds and I have 50 pounds to lose. If I lose on average 0.75% body weight per week, how many weeks does it take me to lose that 50 pounds? Um, once you have that number, add another four weeks because you're going to want to implement diet breaks, uh, plateaus, stuff like that. So at least for extra four weeks. Usually this is anywhere between 12 to 24 weeks is typically what I recommend. Um, in my experience, 24 weeks is probably about as long as we want to push it. That's six months. Um, and you can do that, especially on a conservative cut. But at that point, you start to experience diet fatigue, no matter if you've lost 20 pounds or 60 pounds. Um, at that point, you're essentially at a point where you've been dieting, you've been in a deficit, and you've been working at something, um, not only uh, physiologically, but psychologically and, and emotionally as well, 
Um, and, it, and it takes its toll. So you have more diet fatigue, you have more stress on the body, and it's time to just kind of pull out, do a maintenance phase, and just recover your body, and then get back to the cut. Um, as far as going into a bulk, I think it just depends on how lean you want to get and what your goal is. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, again, it kind of falls in that 12 to 24 week thing, unless you're doing a mini cut because you're massing and you just gained a little too much fat, you need to pull back before you get back to gaining. I think the best approach, honestly, is just, just to, just to set your sights on 12 to 24 weeks. That's anywhere between three to six months. If you implement diet breaks and give yourself a few weeks extra just for wiggle room, you're going to be in the perfect range and it doesn't matter how much weight you have to lose as long as you're following that 0.5 to 1% of body weight. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.